Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. My name is Jesse Romero. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady. And my partner, Terry Barber, is out doing some apostolic work. He'll be back tomorrow and Friday. This is the Holy Hour of Power. We promise you that this is high-energy Catholic radio. It's orthodox. It's uh, <clears throat> We engage the culture of death. With prayer, fasting, full contact, Catholicism, our program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. Hey, by the way, if you like the show, you can support the show by sharing the full show at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMPR Radio and our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. Share us with your friends and welcome and evangelize all those people that you love. This is exactly what the show is for is to evangelize people that you love. This is the month of June still. For us as Catholics, the month of June, we don't care what the world says about the month of June. They have their own ideas that come from Satan. The month of June for us is the, is the month of the sacred heart of Jesus. June is devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus. By the way, next month is going to be devoted, July, to the precious blood of Jesus. And by the way, August... In the Catholic faith, this is so. This is why our faith is so, so drop dead beautiful. August, uh, we were devoted and we dedicate the month of August to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Hey, let's uh, let's get into some soul food here today. By the way, is the feast day of Saint Peter and Saint Paul. Pray for us. Today's reading at Holy Mass, Matthew chapter sixteen. Verses 13 to 19. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father but my, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ established an office here, the office of the papacy, the office of the, uh, basically the office of the rock. I had a debate a couple of years back against a, a Protestant apologist. His name was, uh, his name will come to me. His name will come to me. Um, but it's on YouTube. Uh, you, can, you can type in my name, Jesse Romero, debates, uh, uh, Jose Ventilacion, Jose Ventilacion. He's a Protestant apologist from the Manila Philippines. We debated on the topic of, did Jesus Christ start the Catholic Church? And I use this verse here, Matthew 16, verses 13 and 19. It's a deep dive Bible study. You can just sit there and watch it, take notes, open up your Bible. And what I essentially did, and he wasn't ready for it, what I did is I, I did a deep explanation on what Jesus Christ meant when he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jose Ventilacion never knew what hit him. He never heard that argument before. And I really... I really exploited that verse, and I spend the next two hours just hammering that verse home to the audience. Many people in the audience 
you can see that they had I had won them over. Half the audience was was Protestants, half were Catholics. There was about three thousand people in the audience. About fifteen hundred were Protestants, fifteen hundred were Catholics. Uh, <clears throat> the next day, I went onto their website of that uh, denomination. It's called Iglesia Ni Cristo in Manila, Philippines. And I went into their chat room, and essentially, nine out of ten people that were posting about the debate, nine out of ten members of Iglesia Ni Cristo were saying, this guy, Jesse Romero, uh, smoked our pastor. Who is this guy? We've never heard an argument like this. This guy was, this guy's arguments were brilliant. Uh, I had many people for years after that, they were emailing me, Filipinos from that, from that Protestant denomination, they were emailing me, I'm going to RCIA, I'm coming into the Catholic Church as a result of watching your debate. And, and the reason I mention is because I took today's gospel reading and I really did a deep dive on that debate. So you can watch it. It's on YouTube. Uh, just type in Jesse Romero versus Jose Ventilacion. Uh, you know, uh, which is the true church? I think that's the name of the debate. And today's the feast day of St. Peter and Paul. The Catholic Church celebrates uh, these two great saints, the, these, the two great pillars of the church, the two early church's greatest saints. St. Peter was one of the Jesus' 12 apostles. St. Paul though not one of the original 12, was called personally by the Lord. Jesus appeared to him and said, no, nah, you're going to be an apostle. You're coming in. I'm, I'm, I'm handpicking you. Pope Benedict XVI, he said of these two apostles, he said this, quote, St. Peter and Paul together represent the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a mouthful right there. St. Peter and Paul pray for us. Today's a solemnity, the solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul. Hey, a lot of good news. Um, there's been pro-abortion protests all over the country. And it goes to show you that the other side, when they win a big Supreme Court decision, they just tell us as uh, people of faith, patriots, conservatives, they say, hey, Supreme Court said this. You got to go with it. Supreme Court, uh, that's the highest court of the land. Uh, just keep your mouth shut. Just move on. Okay, it's, it, Fight's over. But when the left loses a Supreme Court decision, uh, they pout and pout. And not only do they pout, I mean, there's one, there's something, you know, anybody can pout, but they, they tend towards violence. There's been many pro-abortion protests around the country. Police have arrested dozens of pro-abortion agitators at protests across the country after the Supreme Court overruled Roe v.ersus Wade on Friday, police dispersed a crowd of 7,000 protesters in Phoenix, Arizona, after some protesters attempted to breach the doors of the Arizona Senate building while they were in session. So, what began as a peaceful protest evolved into an into anarchical and criminal actions by masses of splinter groups. And the Arizona Department of Public Safety, they ended up uh, they ended up dropping some tear gas or firing off tear gas from the building, and dispersing the crowd. Uh, that's that's unfortunate. But uh, had they not done that, the crowd who knows what they would have done because they were trying they were trying to uh, breach the Arizona State Building. 
Also, what's the future of the GOP? Columnist Salena Zito makes the case that newly elected Representative Myra Flores, Republican from Texas, is the future of the Republican Party. She's the first Republican to win her district, which is 85% Hispanic. Myra Flores said Democrats feel entitled to their votes. The problem is, is that Democrats do not represent our values of faith, community, work ethic, or the desire to seek better opportunities. Uh, yeah, Myra Flores, she's going to be a rock star in, in Congress because she definitely gets it. She definitely gets it. And something else that we shouldn't forget is that uh, this victory that we're relishing right now, and it's good to rejoice. It's good to rejoice, not, not, not glow. It's just good to rejoice. Uh, this could not have happened without Trump's appointees. He promised to give us three conservative justices that would not interpret the Constitution like the Constitution evolves. They're basically strict constructionists. And so Donald Trump, he's praising the high court at a rally over the weekend. Former President Donald Trump, 45, said that the Supreme Court, the decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, he said, is the answer to the prayers of millions and millions of people. Trump said to the generations of Americans in the pro-life movement, as well as countless constitutional conservatives, your boundless love, sacrifice, and devotion has finally been rewarded in full. He also said, when they asked him about this victory, he also said, instead of taking credit for it entirely, he said, we need to thank God. We need to thank God for this victory. And uh, again, I couldn't agree with him more. My name is Jesse Romero. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. <clears throat> Today, we're going to be talking about <clears throat> the Supreme Court decision. Father Frank Pavone, he, he says the Supreme Court repented of what they did in 1973. He calls it repentance. That's interesting, his, 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 those... Uh, his, his usage of words. Also want to talk about how to be Catholic on social media. That's important because a lot of people are on social media, a lot of Catholics. But there is a way to be Catholic on social media. And also the final segment, we're going to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll be having a church militant, James Fidwa. He'll be talking to us about the news regarding the church and culture. I cut my teeth on the evening news every evening. My name is Jesse Romero. Stick around. You don't want to you don't want to miss what's up next. Father Pavone on the Supreme Court. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The Terry and Jesse show, one of the voices, the leading voices in the pro-life movement, without a doubt, is, 
is Father Frank Pavone. I can't say enough about this man. This guy, this guy works tirelessly for the pro-life movement. Here's what he said. He put out a statement yesterday. He said, calling the Dobbs case, which on Friday overruled both Roe and Casey, an act of repentance is no exaggeration. Repentance, as we know, is a change of mind from when we thought something was right to realizing it was wrong and then bringing our actions into line with the new realization. The Dobbs decision states Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak and the decision has had damaging consequences. Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion, concurring opinion says it in this way, quote, The Roe court took sides on a consequential moral and policy issue that this court had no constitutional authority to decide. By taking sides, the Roe court distorted the nation's understanding of this court's proper role in the American constitutional system and thereby damaged the court as an institution. Close quote. Wow. Powerful statement by Kavanaugh. Father Pavone says, The court, moreover, explains that its normal practice is to defer to the judgment of legislators. On matters of abortion, however, it has been replacing and second-guessing those judgments. Thanks to the Dobbs case, it will no longer do so. The significance of this about-face cannot be exaggerated. Please note, the Dobbs case does not take a policy position on abortion. Rather, it takes away the obstacle that has been in the way of pro-life policy made by legislators. So many laws have been passed protecting the unborn and their moms only to be blocked by the courts because of the Roe vs. Wade dogma that abortion was a constitutional right. That dogma has now been thrown out the window. The court is saying that there's no constitutional reason to block a state from protecting the unborn or from passing any kind of law regarding abortion as long as as long as it reasonably pursues a legitimate state interest and protecting the unborn is such a state interest as is protecting maternal health protecting the integrity of the medical profession protecting babies from pain and much more the door is wide open for us to craft and enact pro-life laws of all kinds without worrying about an automatic roadblock from the courts in Dobbs, the court says it will get out of the way. The states that have trigger, law, trigger laws are, in these very days, activating those laws to go into effect. And states that have pro-life laws currently in litigation in other federal courts can now ask the courts to lift the injunctions in light of Dobbs and let the laws stand. One of the key things to keep an eye on these days is enforcement. Father Pavone says, as I pointed out in a recent op-ed, some pro-abortion public officials will refuse to enforce pro-life laws. But whether they agree with the law or not, they need to do their job. If they can't, then they should simply resign rather than hijack the will of the people. And the people, through their legislatures, should hold these pro-abortion officials accountable if they, fail to do, if they fail to do their jobs. Friends, we owe this victory to many people, not the least of which is President Donald J. Trump, for the justices he appointed to the Supreme Court, all of whom voted the right way in this case. President Trump, 
had a rally Saturday night in Illinois. He noted this victory for life, and the people chanted, Thank you, Trump! This is a time to celebrate. We know our work goes on, but the hard work will always be there. Take these days to celebrate a victory that has been worked for, hoped for, and prayed for since 1973. Thank you for your part in it. And Father Pavone says, again, if you want to contact him, you could, you could uh, listen to his program. It's called endabortion.tv. Endabortion.tv. And if you want all the details on the Dobbs case, Father Pavone put up a website. It's called SupremeCourtVictory.com. SupremeCourtVictory.com. Father Pavone is for priests for life. Priest for, he represents priests for life. He has a second letter. And, and by the way, there, there's been, in, in times past, where the Supreme Court has had to repent of a bad Supreme Court decision in the past. For example, we got Carson versus Macon. This was in a 6-3 decision. The Supreme Court ruled that religious schools can't be excluded from a main program that offers tuition aid for private education. This means if a state offers school vouchers so that parents can choose the best education for their children, the vouchers, which are state funding, can be used to send them to private schools even if they are Christian-based. So this is one of the good rulings that just happened the other day. Okay, We've had a couple of victories back-to-back. How about the Kennedy versus Bremerton School District? Here's another good ruling. This week, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Coach Joe Kennedy, who had been fired from his coaching job at Bremerton School District in the state of Washington. The school had told Coach Kennedy that he could not pray on the football field following his team's games on Friday nights. The court said the Constitution protects private religious expression, including praying in public. Another victory for us. And then finally, again, Dobbs versus Jackson. Women's Health Organization. This is what we're talking about here. In a ruling that upheld Mississippi's 2018 law banning virtually all abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy, the Supreme Court reversed its nearly 50-year-old Roe vs. Wade national legalized abortion decision. The 6-3 decision follows the Constitution by giving back rights to the states on the abortion issue. Father Pavone says, if, if you're like me, you're still pinching yourself and absorbing the reality that Roe versus Wade has been overruled. This 1973 decision brought about the killing of 63.5 million babies in the womb that, you know, that, uh, you know, hope to God they're all in heaven. It also brought about the shockwaves of abortion for countless moms, dads, grandparents, siblings, other relatives and friends, and also for the abortionists, their staff and the pro-life advocates who tried but were unable to save those babies. What Dobbs did, and I urge you to read the decision itself, was to leave the abortion policy to the people and their elected representatives. The court in Dobbs did not set policy on abortion. To be clear, this is Justice Brett Kavanaugh saying, to be clear, the court's decision today does not outlaw abortion throughout the United States. Close quote. 
In fact, it was precisely the court's goal here to get out of the business of setting abortion policy. That was precisely one of the errors of Roe versus Wade. By drawing various lines as to when and what the state could intervene in the abortion decision, the Roe court acted more like a legislator than a court and had no constitutional basis for acting as it did. It was political. It wasn't legal. So in the Dobbs case, as in so many abortion cases in the past, the pro-life and pro-abortion sides made conflicting arguments about the rights of the baby, the impact of abortion on women, and many other abortion-related matters. The Dobbs decision declares this, quote, on page 65, This court has neither the authority nor the expertise to adjudicate those disputes, close quote. Wow. Until now, the Supreme Court was declaring a winning side on the abortion debate. It cut off the ability to to the state to protect the baby and the mom from the devastation of abortion prior to viability. The decision explains on page 44. It says, Casey described itself as calling both sides of the national controversy to resolve their debate. But in doing so, Casey necessarily declared a winning side. Those on the losing side, those who sought to advance the state's interest in fetal life, could no longer seek to persuade their elected representatives to adopt policies consistent with their views. <coughs> the court short-circuited the democratic process by closing it by closing it to the large number of Americans who dissented in any respect from Roe. But now, thanks be to God, the court has reverted to a neutral position on abortion, and a legislature, whether state or federal, can protect babies in the womb and their moms at any stage of pregnancy it chooses. In fact, the door is open for any pro-life law that reasonably advances a legitimate state interest. Protecting babies and moms are legitimate state interests. So the question is, has our work now become easier or harder? Father Pavone says, my contention is that our work will remain very much the same and that on balance, it's easier for us and harder for the other side. Why? Because now, all the hard work we've done in educating people about abortion, electing pro-life lawmakers and passing pro-life laws, will actually result in those laws being enacted instead of being blocked by the courts. The work of educating uses the same arguments. Elections are elections and lawmaking is lawmaking. We keep doing what we've always done, but we get more bang for the buck now. We've always made our pro-life case before the public and the lawmakers, and the pro-life lawmakers have made their case in the same way. But the pro-abortion side has not had to make its case at all because they simply declared it at every step of the debate, abortion is a constitutional right. And that was supposed to end all discussion. It is their work, the pro-aborts, that becomes harder now, not ours. They can no longer hide behind the judges and the courts They have to persuade lawmakers and voters that dismembering and decapitating a baby is somehow good for society. Yes, we have to fight in 50 states, but we as as a pro-life movement, we're fighting in 50 states already. That really doesn't change much. The circumstances and opportunities were always different from state to state. The pro-life movement has a foothold in every state and dedicated state organizations and workers who have been around for decades all that work continues, and our work in Congress, in Congress continues as well, because Congress still has a role in protecting the unborn and will continue to pass pro-life laws. Again, 
All this work just pays off more easily now that Roe is gone. Praise God for this victory. Please take time to celebrate it. Americans, especially in the Christian community, can be thankful for the recent decisions handed down by the United States Supreme Court because over the past two weeks, we have seen a few major victories that restore and uphold religious freedoms guaranteed by the Constitution along with the most important case in our nation's history, the right of the unborn. So it is a good thing to celebrate, not gloat, not point fingers, and let us proclaim the dignity of every human life. Up next, we're going to talk about how to be Catholic on social media. Got a small clip I want to play for you. How do we become Catholic on social media? Stick around. That's what I'll be talking about next. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed, and if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. You know why? Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in any man, in politics, money, the Weather Channel. Uh, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is not even in any, any, any again, your, your deacon, your priest, bishop, pope. They are the authority structure set up by God. We respect them. We respect the office. But uh, there's only one Savior of the world who died for our sins. That's Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to a video. It's How to Be Catholic on Social Media by Paulina Guzik. She's a professor of communications. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? Social media is often described as toxic. Catholic Twitter has sometimes been labeled the same way. However, as Catholic disciples, we should strive to edify every environment and every person we encounter. How did it get so bad, and what can we do to improve it? When most of us first joined social media, there was an excitement in connecting more regularly and rapidly with relatives and friends who live far away and for sharing photos and videos. The benefits were so powerful that billions of us decided to sign up for one or more of the popular platforms. At the same time, the downsides of social media quickly became evident. Friends who are rude in their comments or incapable of having a civil discussion. Trolls who enjoy antagonizing others. Some users become addicted to the platforms because the algorithms keep us scrolling and swiping. Several studies indicate that excessive time on social media has led to anxiety and depression, especially among teenagers. Back on December 12, 2012, Pope Benedict XVI, then 85 years old, famously launched the Pontifex Twitter account. His motivation was simple. He saw social media as a place of encounter, where people were spending much of their free time. He thought it would be important for Catholics to be present there in order to show love for our neighbor, share the good news, and establish a good tone. He hoped his own presence would encourage the Catholic community to participate. Pope Francis, when he was elected Pope just months later, continued the Pontifex Twitter account and has since tweeted nearly every day. As we approach 10 years since the first papal tweet, 
Twitter and other social media platforms are still places where people gather. But if it was a physical location, we might say it's in the rough part of town. While the truths of the Catholic faith and the common good can be posted, falsehoods can be shared around the world. Lives can be destroyed and changed forever in nanoseconds. In the United States, the unfortunate case of Nick Sandman at the 2019 March for Life is an egregious example of the harm caused when we don't check our facts. As human beings, we all have the potential to uplift others or hurt them. This is true when we meet in person, and this is true on social media. It's often easier to be snarky, inconsiderate, or even mean when hiding behind the screen. Across the United States and the world, we engage in dialogue far less than we used to. Contemporary communications, even from public figures, is often a collection of accusations, grievances, and condemnations. Everything from pandemic regulations to vaccine mandates, from abortion to gun rights, can spark outrage and create polarization. Isn't it ironic that communication tools, which are meant to connect us, so often become tools of division? So what should Catholics do? Quit social media altogether? Form our own social media channels? I'd like us to take up Pope Benedict's vision and try again to engage others on these platforms. Here are my suggestions. First, reflect before you post, and especially before you respond. We love to respond almost immediately without thinking about the effect our response could have on others. Reflecting means thinking about the purpose of my post or tweet. Do I aim to attack or inform and encourage? Christians shouldn't cause a fire, but try to shed some light that clarifies and builds. Second, put a healing balm, not salt, on wounds. The church is, according to Pope Francis's famous metaphor, like a field hospital that cares for the wounded. If someone treats you aggressively, assume they speak from their wounds. Their aggression may reflect some pain, not a desire to attack you. Third, share to be united, not divided. Jesus called his followers to be people of unity. On social media, we seek to go beyond shallow relationships and commit ourselves to promoting a culture of respect and dialogue. As Pope Benedict said, we communicate to seek communion with others. Let's search for the good in others and kindly reframe their arguments. Charity and decency to others can stir curiosity in the gospel and teachings of our faith because love and kindness are irresistible, including on social media. I'm Paulina Guzik, Associate Professor of Communications at the Pontifical University of John Paul II in Poland for Edify. Mostly, most people are on social media. This is the video, it's only five minutes, five minutes and change, that you should share with all your family and friends, especially those last three principles that this professor made, this professor of communications, Paulina Guzik, the last three things that she said were absolutely outstanding, and, and she quotes Pope Benedict on this, where she said, number one, first reflect, number one, reflect before you post, and especially before you respond. We love to respond almost immediately without, without thinking about the effect our response could have on others. Reflecting means thinking about the purpose of my post or tweet. Do I aim to attack or inform 
and encourage Christians. It shouldn't cause a fire, but try to shed some light that clarifies and builds. Two, Paulina Guzik says, put a healing bomb, not salt, on wounds. The churches, according to Pope Francis' famous metaphor, are like a field hospital that cares for the wounded. If someone treats you aggressively, assume they speak from their woundedness. The regression may reflect some pain, not a desire to attack you. Don't take it personal. Third, share to be united, not divided. Jesus calls his followers to be people of unity on social media. We seek to go beyond shallow relationships and commit ourselves to promoting a culture of respect and dialogue As Pope Benedict said, we communicate to seek communion with others. So let's search for the good in others and kindly refrain refrain their arguments. Charity and decency to others can stir curiosity in the gospel and teachings of our faith because love and kindness are irresistible, including on social media. It's that last point. That's something that my brother Johnny has taught me. My brother Johnny Romero, he's my younger brother. He's also a Catholic speaker, a Catholic evangelist. If you ever want to uh, invite him to your parish, uh, just send me an email and I'll forward it to Johnny. Uh, he's got a day job, but he does, uh, he does speak it in the evenings and he's very good. My brother Johnny's always trying to build bridges. He's always trying to look for the good in people. And, you know, he's no wimp. The guy's a you know, former Marine. The guy's a former fighter, kickboxer, you know, black belt uh, he, he's, but he's always trying to find good in people. And that's exactly what Paulina Gusick said. Even when you're on social media, you know, don't be an internet warrior. Don't be an internet bully. Try to find good in people. Speaking of uh, intellectual giants, Justice Clarence Thomas, who, who uh, we've definitely been, uh, we've definitely seen his intellectual uh, legal mind at work these last couple of weeks, especially with the, the Dobbs case. But Justin's Clarence Thomas, this is back in 2021, he fired a warning shot at social media companies over free speech. So Justice Thomas was saying, you know what? Not only should people regulate themselves, but he's also talking about social media companies they should regulate those people that they have on social media. For example, I mean, you have uh, terrorist organizations that are on social media. You have uh, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. They're on social media. And they post, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going gather, to gather together here and do this, that, and the other. And so Justice Clarence Thomas, about a year ago, he says uh, to media companies, they have to, they have to start... Uh, policing their free speech. I mean, not everybody, just because you have something to say, there are just seeing some things that are so, so harmful to society, it should not be said. And uh, also something that Paulina Guzik, the professor of communications in this video, she also said, is that social media can harm young people. There's studies on this. You can look these studies up yourself it leads to depression. Many times it leads to, again, just mental illness. It leads, many people have committed suicide, suicide as a result of being humiliated on social media. 
This is a huge problem. Social media isn't social when it starts harming people, especially young people who have, again, they have, uh, they're so fragile because they're still growing up and stuff and they still haven't been hardened by, by many years here on planet Earth. And also, there's another study that was done back in 2017. I read a study that social media, it makes people antisocial. Social media makes people jealous. And there's another study that was, uh, I, I saw it on Fox News. I also saw, saw it on studyfinds.org. That Facebook, generally speaking, makes people more depressed. Did you hear that? Facebook, generally speaking, makes more people depressed. But as Catholics, we have to have a balanced view of the media and social communication. I'm looking at my Vatican II documents. One of the 16 documents of Vatican II is called Decree on the Media of Social Communications. In Latin, it's called Intermerifica. The church says that if these media are properly utilized, they can be of great service to mankind since they greatly contribute to men's entertainment and instruction as well spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, up next, we got Church Militant giving us an update on the church and on the culture. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2551. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome to our our uh, Wednesday Church Militant segment. We always have somebody on from Church Militant who talks about the culture, talks about the issues that are happening in the church as they relate to Catholics. And this week we have on... James Fidoa. James, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Hey, did I pronounce your name right, Fidoa? You you did it. Yeah, it was, uh, that was correct. Usually people uh, get it wrong the first time, but hey, you did, you did it right listening. the first time. I've been watching you every evening, so uh, I, I said i got to pronounce his name right. I don't want to butcher his name. <laughs> a lot happening in the church and in the world, a lot to celebrate about. Uh, but again, we still have to keep on... Um, putting our hand to the plow, not look back and not, not uh, say, hey, we won uh, the Dobbs case so we can sit back on our laurels. We've got we to gotta continue fighting. But tell us about some news items that uh, have happened recently. I know something just happened with Pope Francis in the Vatican. Can you share yes. with us what happened? Yes. Uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, went to the papal mass and received communion right under his nose and uh, didn't really, he didn't really say anything about it. So... We are uh, going to have that in there, kind of wondering why uh, that is. She is, of course, a rabid pro-abort. Um, and the, the, the abortion debate, especially now since the uh, Roe decision came down, is, is, is ignited to just a new, whole new level. Um, so it's, it's definitely interesting that she was able to just walk into a papal mass and receive communion. 
uh, for her, even, even because of her stances. And what's interesting is that the Pope not, has, hasn't even really said anything about the Roe decision or abortion, really. Uh, if you kind of scroll his Twitter feed ever since uh, June 24th when the decision came down, there's no mention at all of the Dobbs decision or Roe. Uh, you'll find some Ukraine stuff in there. You'll find the uh, uh, immigrants stuff in there, but nothing on Roe, oddly. You know, James, this is this is what Jesus Christ would call in the Gospels. This is a scandal. This is scandalous. And uh, I, I, I don't. I, I'm speechless when somebody sent me the picture this morning on my iPhone, and then I saw that we we're going to talk about this. Um, he he obviously has to know what just happened in the U.S. I, yeah, he, that's exactly right. I can't imagine he doesn't know what just happened, but the, the fact that he hasn't said anything about it, he, he did say something sort of like celebrating families, I think a couple of days ago, uh, but there was no mention of, of the decision at all. So but yeah, but he, he, you're right. You're absolutely right. He definitely has to know what happened. I mean, this is he, it, the worldwide news. We did something on a, uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, elected official in Spain uh, talking about the decision. So, I mean, that, that's right you know, in his backyard, basically. Yeah, so he, it, he definitely has to know. The Dobbs case has made international news, and he knows because he's got his handlers, he's got his press people. He knows that Nancy Pelosi, who, who describes herself as a devout Catholic, he knows that she has a 40-year or 50-year voting record of uh, of being a pro-abortion politician. He knows this. This is, I mean, you know, she splashed all over the covers of magazines and newspapers and the Internet. This is not something that's, uh, you know, that none of us know about her. She's very open about this. And and to me, it just pains, it pains me personally as a Catholic, knowing that today is a feast day of St. Peter and Paul. Can you imagine what this would have done for the Catholic world if he would have said, uh, you know what, uh, uh, Nancy, uh, you, you're coming to Mass? Good, I'm glad you're here. You need to sit down there. Have one of his handlers tell her she needs to sit down and not receive Holy Communion in light of what I know about you now and in light of this recent Dobbs uh, case and your public statements against it. That would have been the prudent thing for him to do. He didn't do it. Why not? Well, only God knows, but... Uh, but again, I think a lot of us, a lot of us as Catholics, are scandalized. Of course, yeah. And imagine what uh, Peter and Paul would have said to her if they, if they were in his place. <laughs> I don't think she would have uh, been able to step up there. I agree. Hey, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, fake Catholic Biden's White House. Yes, uh, of course. The the angle here is that Biden is a fake Catholic, and since Roe came down, he and his White House are doing whatever they can to uh, help people out in this difficult time. And they're, point, they're pointing people to abortionfinder.org uh, to sort of help them with all their needs and everything, their reproductive health care needs. Um, they're, they're, they're just they're do, putting out literature, all kinds of stuff on their website. But I thought it was very ironic when um, Americans are really struggling with gas prices. I mean, they still are. Uh, I mean, five bucks a gallon around here. I don't know where it is for you guys, but it's sitting around. Yeah, over five bucks yeah. a gallon for us. Um, the White House, really, their only solution they put forth was, oh, just get an electric car. <laughs> so here they are bending over backwards to make sure uh, people can get an abortion 
But I mean, as far as a concrete thing, gas prices hitting all Americans, really, uh, they don't really have anything. James, I want to compliment you guys in the evening, your crew. You know, sometimes there's three, sometimes there's four. I call. I told Michael, you guys uh, are like the Fantastic Four of the Catholic Church because you guys not only put out good information, but you guys are also funny. You know, uh, you, you guys just have a, you guys have you have a sense of humor in the midst of in the midst of again good news and bad news. So I just want to compliment the uh, you. You guys are doing a real bang up job. And I'll tell you another thing. My wife even said this. Okay, I'm Michael's age. I'm an old dude. Okay, I'm 60 years old. Me and Mike are, you know. We, we probably wear T-shirts that say, old guys rule. My <laughs> wife says, and other people, my kids say that are your age, you know, my, is that they say, hey, Dad, they're easy on the eye. So I'm Ooh. just telling you, that's, that's, that's uh, 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 just from, a, uh, from an optics point of view, I'm glad there's four young people that are putting out Catholic news. And the news is so informational. I tell every Catholic that I that I meet, I said, if you're not cutting, I said, I don't know what you're watching in the evening. Knock it off. Turn off those channels. It's simple. I get my laptop. I just put a you know a cord connected to my smart TV, and I can watch it in my living room. Quit watching the fake news out there. Yeah. Watch Church Militant. Hey, talk to us a little bit about. Oh, and one thing I like about you guys are always saying. And you guys say, just without just missing a beat, you guys say, unelected fake Catholic Joe Biden. Every single time I'm saying, these guys don't miss a beat. It's it's hilarious. You guys, unelected fake Catholic Joe Biden. Then you guys go in and report. I think that's hilarious. I love it. Yes. Hey. We have, we have a lot of a lot of people that we, uh, you know, preface with fake Catholic or, uh, you know, obviously Biden unelected. But yeah, we have, we have a lot of people like that. And if you miss it uh, in your script, you immediately get you know, hounded on by the, by the editors. So, uh, yeah, you, be, you better not miss that when you're writing for Church Militant. Hey, tell us a little bit about the Vatican. They're taking flack for something. What are they taking flack for? Yes, their new uh, logo for the 2025 Jubilee year. I, uh, I won't, we're not going to show it now. You'll, you can wait till the show. But I can tell you that it's uh, ambiguous. It's, uh, it does have some uh, color to it, if you can uh, pick mm-hmm. up what I'm putting down there. And um, it's just it's 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 weird. It doesn't inspire anything really Catholic in it. Uh, But this is this is the new logo that they're moving forward with for the uh, 2025 Jubilee year. So, you know, (laughs) this is this is a typical, you know, Vatican kind of like what you kind of look at that at first. And I I was I was kind of like drawn back from it. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that's such a cool logo. It was was more like kind of (laughs) kind of, you know. You know, James, um, the way I see it, the, the, the genie's out of the bottle. Uh, what we're going to be fighting as Catholics until the second coming of Christ is the whole LGBT movement, the homosexual movement. And when you think about it, a sin that caused God to strike two cities down with fire in the Old Testament, this is the same sin that the devil's now using right now, before the second coming of Christ, before the age, the, the, the triumph of the age of Mary, this is the sin that he's trying to uh, infiltrate and infect like a disease. The one true church here on planet Earth that's, that's commissioned to be the, the pillar and foundation of truth, he's trying to slime us with the most evil, egregious sin that caused God's wrath to, to rain fire from heaven. It's no coincidence 
that this is the sin that we're battling right now, and it's and, and it's reached some of the highest places in the Catholic Church. And, and a jubilee year, Jesse, as I'm sure you know, is supposed to be about like forgiveness of sins and liberation from sin. But this this logo, as I said, is is, is very colorful. It's celebrating the very sin that you're talking about. That that very sin that uh, you know was that destroyed two cities in the Old Testament. So yeah, it's 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 infuriating to see the Vatican pushing this like they are. Yeah, and uh, hey, uh, keep up the good work, you guys and the Fantastic Four out there, you guys at Church Militant. We love you guys. Uh, uh, everywhere I go, I push the show. I tell Catholics, if you're a serious Catholic and if you want to know what's going on in the world and in the church, you have to cut your teeth on this one hour a day. That's not much, okay? You could, you know, just, yeah, just it's not much. Hour. You could, yeah, just it's just one hour. Yeah, so, some of the guys on television say, listen to me three hours, Ron Radio, just three hours. Hey, <laughs> just one hour, and you'll be a high-information Catholic. If you're not listening to Church Militant, you're going to remain in the camp of low-information Catholics, and you don't want to be wearing that hat. Last Final comments, James? Well, I wanted to really quick, if I could, squeeze in a little plug for our call sure. to action convention. We're going to have a ton of panelists there. It's going to be a really cool uh uh, convention of all these all these panelists going up there and there's going to be a moderator sort of uh, there's just all going to be up on stage talking about certain issues of the day but mainly it's a call to action uh, to the laity we can no longer just sit by and watch uh, these Marxist Dems and these horrible bishops just sort of run run wild so we got to start doing something so that's what this uh, thing is going to do it's going to be August 19th to the 21st so be sure to sign up and go to our website and uh, get all the information you need for that. Amen. You know what, James? Uh, what you guys are doing are, is is uh, the the words of Fulton Sheen. He prophesied back in the seventies. He says, he says, who's going to save our church? He says, not our bishops, not our priests, not our religious. He says, you, the lady, are going to save the church. Teach your bishops how to be bishops, and teach your priests how to be priests. He said this in the early seventies, and guess what? The words of Fulton Sheen, we're seeing them lived out in in our lifetime right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot, James. Keep up the good work. Say hi to everybody at Church Militant. God bless you guys. I will do. Thank you, Jesse. All right. We'll see you tonight. Hey, you've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Remember, the most important thing is a Catholic. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Jesus is coming back one day. Live in a state of grace. Make sure that before you die, you leave it all out in the field. Some of you say... Man, but I'm only one person. Yeah, I know you're only one person, but guess what? With you and God, that's an army. Remember, we serve the Blessed Virgin Mary, a 12-star general. Pray the rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. By doing so, you're doing untold damage against the kingdom of darkness. Go to Mass as often as possible. Remember, Fridays is a day of penance, penance, penance. And you haven't been in confession for a while. If you're in mortal sin, hey you got to get a confession as soon as possible. God bless you. Up next, Matt Arnold. Talk to you later. God bless you. Bye-bye.